Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth because life's too short for any of us to live enslaved. I'm Ava Pennington, and at Faith Over Fear, we're passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. I'd love to connect with you online or on social media. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. Today, we're continuing our series of episodes from the Gospel of Matthew, as we examine the various fears people may have experienced and how God met them with grace and love. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you came face to face with your own inadequacy? Maybe you worried about a lack of money, a lack of time, or even ability. Perhaps God called you to serve him in a specific way and you felt completely insufficient for the task at hand. I know I have. For the past 16 years, I've been teaching an interdenominational Bible study. But when I was first asked to be the teaching leader for this class, I was both excited and, I have to confess, I was terrified at the same time. My previous teaching experience involved smaller groups of women, classes of 30 to 40 at most. But this new calling meant teaching a weekly class of several hundred women. And doubts and questions flooded over me. How could I measure up to the class's previous teachers? Did I have the necessary skills? Would I embarrass myself? I know that question came more from pride, but that's how I felt. I was much younger than the previous leaders. I did not have children, and children were often a topic for illustrations used by the previous teacher for our class, because the majority of the members in our class were mothers and grandmothers. Would the women even think I had something to teach them? The reality is, my own resources really did fall short. They fell far short of what this class of women needed. And that was true. But that truth failed to take into consideration an even greater truth. That God knew their need. He knew my need, and he was fully able to provide what was necessary to meet all of our needs, the needs of the teacher and of the students. And he has been doing that week after week for the past 16 years. God used, and he's still using, this experience to deepen my own faith. And when I think about it, I'm reminded of the account in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus miraculously fed more than 5,000 people. Now, before we talk about the actual miracle, let's take a step back and look at the events leading up to it. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. 
Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Jesus had begun his ministry teaching and healing. He'd even returned to his hometown of Nazareth, where he taught in the synagogue there. But the reception he received in Nazareth was far different from his reception elsewhere. The people here had seen him grow up from childhood. They thought they knew everything about him and his family. And because of this familiarity, they took offense at him. They took offense at his ministry, and they even took offense at his miracles. Now, added to this was the recent news that Jesus received about John the Baptist. John was not only his cousin, He was also the herald who prepared the people for Jesus's arrival. John had been in prison for speaking the truth. He spoke the truth about King Herod's sin, and King Herod brutally executed him for it. Matthew recorded that Jesus went off by himself, most likely to mourn and to pray. So let's pick up the rest of the account in Matthew 14, beginning with verse 13. When Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. And as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Wow, five loaves of bread. When I think of a loaf, I think of our modern day loaves. You know, the kind that you can slice up and feed multiple people with. But the loaves in this account were nowhere near as large. These loaves were most likely small, round, flatbread. And they probably looked more like pancakes, and they were made of barley flour, usually the provision of the poorest of families. So here we have a young boy who probably gave not out of his abundance, but out of very limited resources. And the fish? We're not talking about a salmon or a trout here. No, the two fish would have been little dried fish that looked more like sardines than a fish that could make a meal for anyone let alone a crowd. What must this boy have been thinking as he gave up his meal to the disciples? 
Did he worry about where his next meal would come from? I think I would have. Did he second guess himself, wondering if he was foolish to give the little he had because now he had nothing? And what good was the little he gave anyway? What if the boy had said, God couldn't possibly expect me to give up my meal? After all, it's barely enough for me. Besides, God is our provider, so I'm sure he'll speak to someone else in this crowd, someone older who has more resources than I do. But what was insufficient in the hands of a young boy became more than sufficient in the hands of Jesus, even to the point of yielding leftovers. Now, you and I have probably not been in a situation similar to the disciples where we had to feed 5,000 people with a few rolls and a couple of sardines. But I know I have been in circumstances that appeared impossibly beyond the ability of my own resources. And taking stock of what I have, my first thought was that the little I have might as well be nothing compared to the need. Why bother? There's no point in even trying. That had to be what the disciples must have been thinking. Give them something to eat. All we have are these five puny loaves and these two tiny fish. This isn't going to work. We can't do it. What good is so little when the need is so great? Our provisions are radically insufficient compared to the resources we actually need to feed 5,000 men and women and children besides. They evaluated their situation and came to a practical conclusion based on what they held in their hands. So their recommendation to Jesus was to send the people away to find their own food. But Jesus dismissed this very practical recommendation with five simple words. Bring them here to me. Bring what you have to me. And that one sentence changed everything. How easy it is for you and me to look at the little in our hand and forget that the size of what we bring is not nearly as important as the power of the one we bring it to. When we're insufficient, God is sufficient. When the task exceeds our inadequate resources, God provides what's missing. In this account of the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, Jesus not only provided what was missing, he did it abundantly, lavishly, extravagantly. What a faith builder this must have been for the disciples. They had believed the lie that since their resources were inadequate, the situation was impossible. And then Jesus showed them that they had failed to take into account Jesus's abilities and resources far beyond their own. And just in case they missed it, not only was the crowd's hunger satisfied, there were 12 baskets of leftovers. One very tangible reminder for each of the 12 disciples. Bible teacher and author Warren Wiersbe summed up what we can learn from this in two parts. First, start with what you have. And second, give what you have to Jesus. Two really simple steps. Yet I'll be the first to admit I overcomplicate both these steps all too often. Think about the first step. Start with what you have. 
Sure, easy. Until I compare what I have with others. And then I start wishing I had more to give. More talent, more time, more money, more everything. Still, I know God tells me, don't worry about other people. I can almost hear him whispering to my spirit. If I wanted her to do this task, I would have called her. I didn't. I called you. And the second step, give what you have to Jesus. Sure, that sounds easy enough again. Until, until I focus on the little I have and I'm tempted to keep it just in case because I don't know where the next supply will come from. It's so easy to focus on our limitations, our finite resources, and fail to take into account who we belong to. God is Yahweh Jireh, our provider. If he's called us to a task, he'll equip and provide so we can accomplish what we've been called to do. Do you remember Moses in the Old Testament book of Exodus? He focused on his own limitations, too. When God called Moses to lead his people out of Egyptian slavery, Moses asked, who am I to go? Now, notice God did not answer that question. Instead, he answered the question Moses should have asked. Moses should have asked, Lord, will you go with me? If you do, I I can do this if you're with me. But he didn't ask that. And yet that's the question God answered. God said, I will be with you. Moses also objected by saying, I've never been eloquent. God had a response for that too. God said, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. With each objection, God reminded Moses just as he reminds you and me today that the power is not in who we are, it's in whose we are, who we belong to. The one who has called us will equip us, and he will do it so that his sufficiency receives all the glory, not despite our insufficiency, but because of it. So the next time God calls you to a task, reject the lie that your inadequacy disqualifies you from being used by him. Give God what you have in your hand for him to multiply and use and embrace the truth that when God calls us to a task, our insufficiency sets the stage for Christ's sufficiency to be glorified. Wow. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that in our insufficiency, you are sufficient that in our inadequacy, you are more than adequate. And that when you call us to a task, regardless of our limited resources, you provide all we need for you and you alone to receive all the glory for the results as we live for our Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. I hope this episode deepened your understanding of God and helped you rest more fully in His grace. If you have not already done so, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. Please share it on social media. And we'd be very encouraged if you would rate it as well. That helps others find it too. So until next time, 
may you live with the courage of one who has truly been set free. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grotheis, host of Truth Tribe, where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app.